0: And so I'm very thankful this morning. All right, so we're in our series through First and Second Thessalonians called More and More, a reminder, as we will say every week, that the idea here is to not do more things, but to do the right things over and over and over and over again. And what we're doing as we study these scriptures is we're learning again and again, what are the right things the Lord wants a church to be doing, what are the ways he wants us to be living, how can we continue to guard the good things God has given us? How can we also continue to move forward? Uh, remember, as we talked about, the way forward is to, not, is to go wider by going deeper. And so we continue not to try new things or whatever, which obviously in some practical ways we do. But we say, okay, well, there's, is there love here? Great, then last week, Taylor talked about let's abound in that, let's overflow in that. We should all consider, how can I add more love and more Christ-like love to my home, to this church, to my friends, to my family? Is there unity here? Praise the Lord. We don't move on to something else. How can we guard that? How can I continue to foster unity in my lighthouse and in my family and in the church? Are Are we blessing the community here? Praise the Lord then. We don't hit neutral on that. We say, how can we continue to dive deep to bless our community? And so the idea for us to move forward is that we continue to do the same things over and over again. Well, today we're going to talk about the will of God and what does it look like to live out the will of God for my life? I'm going, and the scriptures are going to answer this all-important question, what is the will of God for my life? What a question, what is the will of God for my life? Why don't you go ahead, raise your hand if you're asking that question now. What's the will of God for my life? You say, man, I'm wondering what should I do? Uh, Should I ask that girl out? You know, I'm looking at her on the other side of the place and she looks pretty. And what is the will of God for my life? Should I take this job? Should I do this? Should I do that? What is the will of God for my life? This question is a primary and most essential question in the life of a Christian. It is also the question we are always asking about what we should do or what we shouldn't do. And ironically, this question gives us a ton of anxiety when it actually should give us a ton of freedom. God is your father, and he loves you very much. And do you think my kids, do you think I want my kids to be running around anxious about whether they're doing my will or not? No, I would want them to be free and to make it so clear what I ask of them. And so I want, this, I want you to see that this morning because so often we run around circles in our minds trying to figure out what the will of God is and how to answer this question when, as a matter of fact, in the scriptures, this has already been answered very clearly. And we get stuck, listen to me on this question, because we give much time and attention to what we don't know and very little time and attention to what we do know. So you spend 90% of your thinking in things you don't know and 10% of your thinking in what God has already revealed. And then you wonder why 90% of you is upset, confused, anxious, and frustrated. We spend so much time on questions we don't know. Should I be living here, take this job, do that? I don't know, but you spend very little time on the answers we do have from the scriptures and today, My goal and the scripture's goal is to make clear to you what God's will is for your life so that you can settle that anxiety that you might be experiencing now, that you can also have a clear path in which to move forward in every area of your life. God is so good to us. I'm very excited to preach this message this morning because I know how relevant this question is for all of our lives. And I think the scriptures make the answer plain. So not only are we going to consider God's will for your life, but the scripture at this here, verses one through 12, chapter four, they actually answer the question about God's will for your life and the three areas you're most concerned about, sex, relationships, and work. What is God's will for my life in sex, relationships, and work? Those are the three things any of you think about, sex, relationships, and work. What is God's will for my life in these particular areas of my life? And so today, because we were planning to do verses one through 12, When I began to do my study and get the sermon ready, I realized that I had four messages to preach and I tried to shove all four into one. And then I realized that was a mistake, all right? And so uh, any good preacher, I tell preachers this all the time, the most important thing you do when you're done with sermon prep is cut, all right? You don't wanna say too much. And so you just, all right, all right? And so you gotta cut a lot of stuff, right? You cut a lot of stuff. And you end up with something that makes sense, hopefully. And so instead of preaching four messages today about the will of God over sex, relationships, and work, I'm going to expand this out, and we're going to do a little mini-series within the book. Obviously, we're still in the same text uh, about the will of God for sex, relationships, and work. And so today is going to be a a big hit about what the will of God is in general. Uh, And then the next two weeks, we have some Easter things. And then after that, we're going to jump back in, go back to this text, and then piece by piece, we're gonna do a message on what is the will of God for sex? What is the will of God for relationships? And what is the will of God for work? Uh, and we're going to understand this passage and we're gonna spread it out, right? Is that good with everybody? All right, great. We'll spend more time in God's word. I won't have to talk a hundred miles an hour, which I probably will anyways, uh, because that's how I talk. But uh, so that's what we're gonna do. So over the next several weeks, so take, uh, take you know uh, Palm Sunday and Easter. Those are a thing in and of itself. Uh, but then after that, we're gonna get back to 1 Thessalonians 4 and we're gonna keep working our way through this passage. And so that's coming. And so I want you to know that we're gonna work through this whole section, just not do it today. But I'm gonna read the whole thing today for context, all right? So 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 12. Yeah, thank you. You're ready. You're ready. That's awesome. All right, you can lead the charge this time. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's go. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all ready to go? Let's do this. Let's read it. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. So that's where we're getting a lot of this series from, this idea right here, more and more. You do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, right? So the idea is, you know what we said, you just need to keep doing that. That's what we're saying as well here now. Verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God that no one would transgress or wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this brotherly love, or whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing, all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this, here we go again, more and more. And to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. So that you may be able to walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. So it took all the self-control in my body to not preach a message right now on mind your own affairs. Because, whoa, that's a word. But it's coming in about three weeks, four weeks, all right? And so I'm going to calm myself down and I'm going to just preach what I can preach this morning. So since God is not a God of confusion which sometimes we think he wants to confuse us, but obviously this is not the case. He answers the question about his will for your life so plainly, for this is the will of God. What, you know, move to North Carolina, you know. No. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, or in other word there is holiness. The will of God for your life is your holiness, period, question answered. The Lord makes this so simple. So what is God's will for me? You should write this down to you, holiness. Or even a way to say it about God's will is what does God want or desire from me? What does God want from me? What does God desire from me? Holiness. Now, This really simplifies everything. It's not easy, but it is simple. Just because it's hard to live out doesn't make it complicated. So this is very, very simple. The will of God is to please God. That's it. 2 Corinthians 5, 9. So we make it our aim to please the Lord. Boy, do I use that passage all the time with myself to encourage people, whatever it might be. All sorts of people could be upset or different things could be going on in your life, you falling apart, but this simplifies your life. Am I pleasing the Lord? Is this decision something that pleases the Lord? So what is God's will? It's to please God. What does God want? He wants my holiness. First Peter affirms this, chapter one, verses 14 through 16 say, as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Holiness is who God is. It is his most essential characteristic. Therefore, it is who God calls us to be. To be holy is to pursue being like Jesus. Therefore, I've already knocked out so many things in your life because the goal and the pursuit is not to be like someone else or to be like the world around you or even to be like your ideal self. The goal is to be like Jesus. So now you begin to make decisions not to self-actualize. You begin to make decisions not to self-express. You begin to make decisions not even to pursue your own will and happiness, but you begin to make decisions simply, as a goal to become more like Jesus. I don't make decisions to become like the world around me. And so if that promotion has a lot to do with keeping up, then I've already negated the will of God. The will of God is not to be promoted. The will of God is to be holy. And in the context of holy, maybe I get promoted or maybe I pursue those things. But you see how this begins to take everything down, to say, if the goal is to be holy and to be holy is to become like Jesus, then therefore my goal is to not be like someone else, to not be like the world around me, to not even be like my ideal self, but to simply be like Jesus. And every decision I make is either leading me to becoming more like Jesus or to becoming less like Jesus. And therefore, now I get more wisdom about the practical decisions of my life, but I also prioritize the most important thing. Like I said, we spend so much time thinking about the things we don't know and very little time thinking about the things we do know. And God's will for your life is your holiness, that you would be like Jesus. Now, may I stop here and remind us that you cannot be holy without Jesus, Okay, you see, you see what's happening in here? You're so concerned, and I'm so concerned about whether I should do this or take this job or whatever. I get so wrapped up in the practical realities of the will of God in my life. I get so busy with trying to navigate my life that I actually don't do the one thing I need to do, which is become like Jesus, you see? And then I attempt, I attempt to live out God's will in like practical ways without doing the thing he wants me to is become like Jesus. Because I'm so busy navigating my life, I haven't spent time with Jesus. And I can't become like Jesus if I don't spend time with Jesus. And if I don't spend time with Jesus, then I can't fulfill God's will for my life, no matter where I move and what job I take. You see what's happening here to say the priority. You can't be holy without Jesus, first as a gift from him. We'll talk more about this. The life he lived, he gives you as a gift. But then also in an everyday a reality, when you're trying to pursue like Jesus, you can't be holy without Jesus. To try and be like Jesus without spending time with Jesus is a fool's errand. And I'm telling you, I've seen this time and time again, this happens in ministry and other, to say to be a Christian is to do X, Y, and Z, and to do all of these things and to go to church and all of that. And then you wonder why your life hasn't made progress when you go to church and you serve the poor and do these things. It is because you haven't actually prioritized spending time with Jesus. And if the goal is to become like Jesus, then you need Jesus to become like Jesus. You see, the goal is not to be a good person that goes to church. The goal is not to be nice. The goal is not to just serve the poor. These are all wonderful things. But the, holy, the goal for your life, what God is asking of you, is holiness. And you can't be holy without Jesus. And you can't become like Jesus without spending time with Jesus. That's why every week I say, you got to get in the book. This sermon is a cherry on top. It's additional. But if you think this is what's going to move you forward, you're fooling yourself. You need Jesus and you need him for yourself. And you need him Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you need him every waking moment of every day. Amen. You can't be holy without Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm just telling you right now, especially for those of you who have good intentions and are trying to walk the life God has, trying to be a good Christian in one sense, The reason why you're so frustrated is because you're attempting to attain something without the means to get it. You are trying to behave in a certain way without the power to do it. You're trying to become something without the power you need to do it. And then you say, I want to behave like this, and I want to become what God wants me to become. But the means to doing that is to have a personal, vibrant relationship with Jesus. You can't be holy without Jesus. That may sound simple, but it's very profound if you think about it. Because that's what so many of you try to do. You try to be holy, you try to be what you're supposed to be, and you try to do it all without a vibrant, healthy, everyday relationship with Jesus. This is God's will for your life. Now, I want to talk about holiness, hopefully, in a way that's compelling and draws you in. I wanna give you an understanding of it from God's perspective as to what is his intent behind the call to be holy. Because some of you are going to hear that oppressively, like it comes down and pushes on you, like you're supposed to be something you're not, or like there's a bunch of things you ought to go do and rules to follow. And what I wanna give you is God's perspective on why he calls you to be holy. And I wanna, see, I wanna help you now see the beauty of this So here's something for you to write down. It's like a whole paragraph though, okay? I tried to simplify it and I just thought it was all essential. So you need to write it down, okay? Holiness is wholeness. What is holiness? Holiness is wholeness. It is to be perfect and complete. So that's why it is who God perfectly is. God is holy because he is perfectly whole. There's no gaps in his life. There's no mistakes. There's no wrong things. Everything is together as it should be. Nothing's missing out, no insecurity, none of that. God is perfectly holy because he is perfectly whole. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't have any gaps in his life. He is complete. So therefore, holiness is the essential quality of all of his characteristics, meaning God could not be love if he wasn't holy because his love would be incomplete. God could not be almighty if he wasn't holy because his almighty would be incomplete. God could not be kind, you see what I'm saying? And so now holiness is the essential quality that upholds all of God's characteristics because now I can rely on him to say, God's love is complete, it has no gaps in it, Because he's holy, he's whole. And so now I can rely on his love being the same all the time because he doesn't need my love or anything to fill up his love bucket and respond back. So God is complete in his love, so his love is the same. God is complete in his might, so his might is the same. God is complete in his kindness, so his kindness is the same. God doesn't need you or me to add anything to that. He doesn't need to progress or get better. He is complete. That is what it means for God to be whole holy. And that is why it's so wonderful because you can rely on him. If God was not holy, you could not trust him. If God was not holy, you could not rely on him. If God was not holy, he would not be the same day in and day out. If God was not holy, he would be a God who changes. As a matter of fact, if God was not holy, he would not be God at all. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you want to believe in God, you must accept his holiness. You can't have a God that fits your standards or one that's to your liking, okay? You have to accept who it is. So this who God is, it's the essential quality of all His characteristics. It's also now who you are made to be and it is how you are designed to live, okay? So it is who God is, he is complete. It is also who you are made to be, and it is how you are designed to live. So get this. To pursue holiness is to pursue your best interest. This is what I love. I don't think some of you see. To pursue holiness is to pursue your best interest. It is to find yourself. Right, this is who you are made to be and this is how you are designed to function and it is towards completion, right? So if God is holy and he is perfectly complete and he's calling you to be holy, he is calling you into a place of completion, meaning that the only way to find yourself, which everybody in the world wants to do, is to do it God's way and to pursue holiness because that's the self you were made to be. You can't find yourself without taking God's path to holiness. And ironically, we try to find ourselves by doing the opposite of what God says. What a a way the devil has deceived us to say, if you want to find yourself, then you got to do the opposite of what God says. Express yourself and fulfill the world and try this and try that and live together before you get married. All these different things to say, well, you got to figure this out and find yourself. And God says the very opposite that if you want to find yourself, you have to do what he says. You have to pursue holiness. I want you to see this is who you are intended to be. To be holy is to be complete, it is to be obedient, ultimately it is to be like Jesus. But I wanna, I wanna compel you this morning with the biblical truth that to pursue holiness is in your best interest. This is not top-down rules that oppress and squish your life. This is the very way that God has designed you to live and to pursue God's design and your holiness is to pursue more completion and to become more your true authentic self every day. You become more you, the more you pursue God. You see what I'm talking about? This is so important because the culture is teaching you every day to find yourself and to express your true self. And what I wanna help you do today is take that slogan and actually make it come true because every way the culture tells you to find yourself and to express your true self is going to do the opposite of that. It's going to harm yourself and empty yourself because you weren't made by culture and culture can't tell you how you were designed to work. But God made you and so God can tell you why he designed you. And it's towards holiness. So the more you become like God, the more you become yourself. You have to believe this. You just have to. For your own best interest. You see what I'm saying? And I just know every day, every day, every day, the message is coming find your true self. Express your true self. And I'm here to say, yes and amen, but the only way to find your true self is to find God. And the only way to become your true self is to become more like Jesus. And it is a lie. It's a lie straight from the devil to make you believe. That expressing yourself in every desire you've ever felt or exploring every pleasure the world has to give you are the means by which you're going to find yourself. It's a lie. to pursue holiness is to basically put the puzzle pieces in the right place, okay? And so you wonder what the will of God for your life is. And you got all these pieces, you know, you got your family, you got your work, you got your friends, you got your health, you got your, you got your hopes and your dreams and all these things you got, you know, and it feels like you got this puzzle and you have this idea of what your life could look like and you everybody's trying to put the pieces in the right place to get to this idealized version of my life, you know, this is what I want my life to look like and so I got to move here, do this, do that, whatever. You see what I'm saying? and so now you're trying to put the puzzle pieces in to to become the thing that you want whatever that is or to find the thing that you're looking for to to find your true self or this place of serenity and you know you're trying to put the puzzle pieces in and you're trying to do it the right way and and you have the pieces from god to say this is how you are made and this is who you are becoming and then the world comes and says well here's a piece and here's a piece from this puzzle, and here's a piece from that puzzle, and here's a piece from that puzzle, and now I have a picture of who I'm supposed to be, but I have pieces from all these different puzzles, and so now I'm trying to add these pieces to this one puzzle, because somebody smart over here gave me this one, and somebody good-looking over here gave me this one, and somebody with a lot of money over here gave me this one, and they said, well, if you look like this, and do like this, and pursue this, then you're going to become who you want to be, and I'm trying to put those pieces in the puzzle of my life, but they don't fit, and so I throw them out and I ask for a new one. And then I spend my entire life throwing out bad puzzle pieces and asking for new ones instead of using the ones I've been given by God. You see, especially young people, that's why you're so frustrated. You're trying to find yourself in all that. It's because you're taking a puzzle piece from the world about self-expression, your true self, and you're trying to throw it in there. And what you need is a circle piece and it gave you a triangle piece and it doesn't fit. And so you're so frustrated. And so living the party life didn't actually give you what you wanted. It didn't become what you wanted it to become. And eventually it left you empty and you wonder what in the world. And so maybe I should just be successful. And so I put all my money and effort into becoming the best. And I try to put that in there and it doesn't do it. And over and over and over again, I go, And it's killing you and it's killing us and it's leading us away from God. And then all of a sudden we end up broken and then mad at God at the same time. All the while we dismissed the pieces he gave us and we took pieces from the world. But God has a picture of who you are supposed to be and who you are becoming. And he's given you the pieces that you need. He's given you the word of God. He's given you the church. He's given you his Holy Spirit. And he says, if you would put these puzzle pieces in the puzzle, you would become and work towards completion. And so now this gets encouraging to say every day that I follow Jesus and do things his way, I'm adding pieces to my puzzle and becoming more my real self. every day. So now I have an opportunity to become my real self every day in the small things, in the little moments, whatever it might be. And you think where you move and what job you have and what person you date are the pieces you need to become your real self. And God says, none of those things are the actual things you need to become who I intended you to be. So now you spend 90% of your time thinking about things you don't know and asking questions about specifics in life that are actually not that important. And 10% of your time getting advice and wisdom from the word of God and the Holy Spirit and the church and putting those pieces into your puzzle and you're not becoming who God wants you to be. The goal of holiness is that you would become complete. It's just so important because the world hates this word. And it's so tempting to do everything except be holy. And then you get lied from the devil to say, well, holiness sucks. You know, you don't want to be holy. It's boring. Well, you like being insecure? You like being empty? You like being disappointed, frustrated, upset, living drama all the time? Those are the things that you like? You see, this is where things go. And what what the word wants to give you this morning is to say, not only is holiness required and demanded by God, which we're going to see the good news of the fact that Jesus takes care of that for us, but it is also in your best interest. It is in your best interest to say no to the things the Bible tells you to say no to, even if everything in your body wants it. You hear what I'm saying? It's in your best interest. God is not a joy kill. He's not trying to withhold something from you that's good for you. Never, never, ever, ever would God do that, never. The scripture literally says, no good thing does God withhold from the righteous. So when God tells you to be holy, and holiness means saying no, and holiness means sacrifice, and holiness means some form of a loss and laying down my life, You need to know from the scriptures that this act is actually in your best interest. And as a matter of fact, you think saying yes to that desire will add to your puzzle to become more like yourself. But as a matter of fact, saying no is the piece that you needed. You thought if I said yes, I would become something, I would feel something, I would have something. And God says, actually, the word you needed was no. And it is often in the things that you don't do that you become your real you. So to be holy is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful, compelling vision from God. God's desire is not that he would give you rules to follow, but an abundant life to live. And I wish I could just say this over and over again, because the primary lie of the evil one, just like he did with Eve in the garden, is to deceive you into thinking that God's intention for you is not good. What did he do? What was the lie to Eve? Those three things, and they were all aimed at this idea that God's intention for you is not good. And you have to take matters into your own hands to become your true self. And he's been using that lie every day since then. And he's using it on you. And I wonder how aware you are of the things that you have believed about holiness or God's will for your life. So as the culture wants you to be complete, to be authentic and to find your true self, the scriptures tell us that the only way to find your true self is to follow the Lord. And ultimately we end up placing the right pieces in our puzzle when we say no to the things that God restricts and yes to the things that God loves. So not only is the will of God your holiness, But the word here is a progressive word about sanctification, meaning that the the goal of this word here is progress and process. So God isn't looking for your perfect obedience. That's what Jesus did. But God is looking for your progress. Psalm 119 would describe it as a heart that is inclined towards the way of God so the question simply is where are you leaning you know what is your heart inclined to you know are you leaning more towards the lord and your heart is inclined towards him and you are in process of of becoming like jesus and you make mistakes and you have sin and the lord forgives you but you're you're inclined towards him this is what it's after is this idea of process and progress because the only perfect person is Jesus. And so now the Lord is looking at you and he's saying, listen, I understand that you have all these issues that you're bringing to the table this morning and I'm not asking you to overcome them all at once. That's what the cross is for. Only Jesus can cover all your mistakes at one time. Right? Only Jesus can cover all your sins with one moment. Only Jesus can do that. You can't do that. And so now the Lord looks at you, and you may feel like, oh man, the Lord wants me to be this type of person, and He does, but it's a process. And so here's something for you to write down is that the will of God is your willingness to obey Him. You're leaning in, your heart is inclined towards Him, you know? The will of God is your willingness that you would be willing, that your heart would be inclined towards him, that you would want the things that God wants, that you would desire the things that God desires, that you would grow in that. And so one of the things you ought to consider as you're you're trying to figure out the will of God is creating a practice of being willing to obey him. Your willingness is what God is looking for. Your holiness is a process. And so the question for you today isn't, am I nailing it right now in every category of life? It's simply, am I willing? Am I willing? And you know, you know, you know. Don't act like that's a confusing question. You know. Yeah, I'm a mess up. And yeah, I got issues. And maybe I did something terrible last week. You know, who knows where you're at. But to say, is my heart inclined towards God? Is my general disposition willingness towards Him and trust? This is what it means to be in the process of sanctification. And one of the main prayers of your life, which is why the prayer of Psalm 119 is so important, is that that God would incline your heart to fear Him. That He would lean you in towards Him. So the will of God is your willingness to obey Him. Another aspect of the will of God here in regards to holiness is because all this is true, then the will of God is more about who you are than what you do. Now, this is so important, okay? Because once again, you spend the majority of your time thinking about God's will and concern with what you do, where you live, how you work, where you work, who you date, all of these different things. And obviously those things are important. We're not saying it's not important what you do, obviously it is, but the will of God is more about who you are. You know what God's more concerned about? Who you are at work than which job you take. And you spend so much of your time thinking about what job should I take and none of your time thinking about what kind of person am I here at work? Am I fulfilling the will of God? He's way more concerned about who you are at work than where you work. He's way more concerned about who you are at home than where your home is. You live in Australia, California, Africa. It doesn't matter. God's way more concerned about who you are in your home than where your home is. And once again, you have spent so much time thinking about where should I live or who should I move to this and very little time thinking about what kind of person am I in this home right now? 90% of your time thinking about things you don't know and that really don't matter. You can obey God in Africa, Australia, in the U.S. You can be holy in any of those places. God's way more concerned about who you are at work than where you work. Way more concerned about who you are at home than where your home is. Way concerned about who you are at school than which school you get into. And you could just keep doing this with all the categories. Way concerned about who you are in a relationship than which person you wanna date. And this is to all you out there dating to say, you're spending so much time looking at someone else to become someone and you're not becoming the thing that you're supposed to be. And now you're mad at everyone else because they won't date you. (laughs) Come on. God's way more concerned about who you are right now and what kind of boyfriend or husband you would be or girlfriend or wife you would be than who you actually find for that. And obviously the Lord's over all of that and he wants you to date someone that loves him and follow him. Obviously he's concerned about those things, but you're spending so much time thinking about who it is and zero time thinking about how you're doing. So much time looking for the right person without becoming the right person. And part of the problem is you think that you need a person to be the puzzle piece to fulfill and complete your life. And people are wonderful and spouses are wonderful, but they'll never satisfy you like Jesus. And so when you've idolized this person as someone that's going to complete your puzzle, you're totally missing out on the point of their relationship in the first place. So are you more concerned with where you work or are you more concerned with who you are at work? Are you more concerned with where you live or are you more concerned with how you are, who you are, in the home that you live in now? Are you more concerned with which school you attend or who you are at the school you attend? Are you more concerned with who you are or more concerned with which person you should date? And the list can go on and on and on. God's will is more about who you are than what you do or where you do it. This should also free you from being paralyzed as to thinking that you can negate God's will by making a bad decision, moving to the wrong place, or taking the wrong job. Now, if the job in front of you is to be a drug dealer, then you should say no to that, okay? (laughs) Let me just clarify. There are some vocations that are sinful in and of themselves, all right? But you're graduating college, just get a job. You can't negate God's will for your life because of which job that you picked, as if he wasn't bigger than your decision-making capabilities, And every person that's lived a little bit, especially with a gray hearing, can look back and say, man, the Lord just, my decision-making is poor, but God's decision-making is perfect. And so now this works out really good. I look back and say, well, look what God did. And especially you're 20 and you're paralyzed. You're like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? What job should I do? Just do something. Anything that's not sinful, anything, anything. I don't care. Be an engineer, work at McDonald's, do anything. You think God cares? He doesn't. He doesn't, and you're paralyzed. Just take the job and be holy in that place. Find someone to date and be holy in that relationship. All right, you're paralyzed. I used to be a young adults pastor. I still spend a lot of time with young adults. Opportunity paralysis. You could do a million things, you do nothing. And you're so concerned about what God's will is for your life. God's will is who you are, not where you are or what you do. Spend time becoming who you're supposed to be, and God will spend his time putting you where you're supposed to be. You should write that down. It wasn't in my manuscript, but it sounded real good when I said it. I don't even know if I could say it again, but it's recorded. It's recorded. And I said, you you spend time becoming who you're supposed to be, and God will spend time putting you where you're supposed to be. That's good, man. That'll preach. That'll preach. I don't preach. Most of you probably don't know this, but at least half of my sermon is just spontaneous. I have no idea. You know, it's like, I have a whole manuscript, you know, it's all there, you know, it's all there. And then the Lord just tells me things to say. Okay, so let's, let's finish this up. So the will of God is more about who you are than what you do. As I said before, we struggle with God's will because we give much time and attention to what we don't know and very little time and attention to what we do know. But the fact of the matter in the scriptures is God is constantly pictured and spoken of as a good counselor and as one who gives good direction. Proverbs sixteen nine: a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So here's something for you to write down. God guides in the specifics of life those who obey his commandments for life. You see, now you need a flop. You have spent 90% of your time asking the question about the will of God in accordance with the specifics of your life. And 10% of the time, asking the question about the will of God in accordance with the commandments for your life, and you need to swap those things and spend the majority of your time thinking about how can I obey his commandments and then let God do the guiding and directing. Okay, you're trying to maestro that thing. That's not you, not the maestro of your own life. Let God play the music. And you simply do what you're supposed to do. Now, this is wonderful because God's commands and the way he wants you to live your life are so clear and you could give every single waking moment of every day to giving yourself fully to the will of God without ever even wondering where you're supposed to be doing that. Wake up today and pursue holiness in every aspect of my life. Wake up today and pursue sexual purity. Wake up today and pursue love towards others. Wake up today with a servant's heart. Wake up today and sacrifice for the good of others. Wake up today and become more like Jesus. Wake up today and spend time in God's word. Wake up today and pray. I could fill my day with the things God wants me to do and become who God wants me to become, and God will put me wherever he wants to put me. Stop trying to guide the specifics of your own life with the amount of intention and focus you're putting on them now and use that same energy and focus to obey God's commandments for your life. God will guide those who obey. It's a very simple principle of life. You focus on obedience, you let God do the guiding. My wife and I say this all the time, especially in a world like foster care, you never know what's gonna happen, that God controls the outcomes, but we control our obedience. You see? And so now, you know, there's, we couldn't survive in foster care. Everything's unknown. I don't know nothing. I don't know if these kids are going to stay, leave, and everything. And you could just, just, just what's God's will for this? You could go around and around and around and around and around. And you could just drive yourself crazy. Or you can just sit down and say, God does the outcomes. Everything. I do the obedience. So how do I obey the will of God? Well, I obey today. That's it. I don't have tomorrow and yesterday's over. I obey right now, this moment, and then God leads and guides my life. So because of these truths, you can always know whether you're living in God's will because you can pursue holiness at all time. Therefore, fulfilling the will of God is not limited by what your boss lets you do or doesn't do. It is not limited by what your money allows you to do or not do. Fulfilling the will of God is not limited by where your job is or whether you have one. Fulfilling the will of God is not limited by whether someone takes notice of you or not. Fulfilling the will of God is not limited by whether this door that you want opens or closes, whether she says yes or no to that day. Fulfilling the will of God is not about whether you get into that school or don't get into that school. Whether you get the promotion or don't get your promotion, whether your health gets better or worse. Fulfilling the will of God is simply about obeying the commandments of God and pursuing holiness. Therefore, write this down, this is the final thing. The only thing, the only thing that will ever prevent you from living the will of God is sinfulness, not circumstance. And you have said these circumstances are limiting me and suffocating me and preventing me from becoming who I'm supposed to become. And God says, Who you're supposed to become is not about circumstance, but holiness. And so you run away from sinfulness and you live the will of God, but you're thinking so much about circumstance. Where do I live? How do I live? And so many other people control that. Your boss controls so much about how much money you make. And so your situation controls so much about where you live. And all these circumstances control all these big aspects of your life and then you place the will of God into your circumstances and you wonder and you get frustrated am I in the right place am I doing the right thing if he doesn't hire me to do this then how can I live God's will for my life and you get so disappointed and discouraged and all along the only thing the only thing the only thing in the entire world that can keep you away from the will of God is sinfulness not circumstance and so now You live in your circumstances with freedom to say what my boss does or doesn't do cannot hinder the will of God for my life. You know, whether that person notices me or not cannot hinder the will of God for my life. Whether my body gets better or not cannot hinder the will of God for my life. There is not a single circumstance on the planet that can hinder God's will for my life. so I can live in freedom and I don't have to be afraid. And the question, what is God's will for my life does not have to give me anxiety because it is so clear and I can do it anywhere. And so now I become a free person who can put the puzzle pieces together in a jail cell like Paul or on top of a beautiful view. Like, you know, anywhere I am, I can become who God wants me to become. So are you single right now and you want to be dating and you want to be married? Well, today become who God wants you to become. Don't let your circumstance dictate your happiness. Is your body not working the way you would like it to, and you're dealing with chronic pain? And I know that's so awful, we're not dismissing it, but what I'm saying is you can't control your circumstance. Become who God wants you to become. You frustrated because you're not rising at work, or the situation's not working out, or you're not even making enough money that you thought you would want it to make. You're not being as successful who you wanted to become. Well, today, just become who God wants you to become. and you will be right in the middle of God's will for your life. And not a single circumstance from any person on earth can ever dictate to you whether you are living in God's will or not. Do not give them that power. God's will cannot be limited by your circumstance. Ultimately, we see from the scriptures that God's will is perfectly fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. As we said before, holiness is to be complete and perfect. This is what God requires of us, which is why it's a problem. And so holiness is beautiful. It also creates a problem and a dilemma because we aren't perfect and we can't become perfect on our own. You can't serve the poor and love and do all these things well enough to become perfect. And so now this is the solution as God sends Jesus into the world. He lives a perfect life, doesn't make any mistakes. It's called being righteous. And then he dies on the cross for all of your mistakes and he rises again from the dead. The only person who's ever fulfilled the will of God perfectly is Jesus. And now Jesus comes in and he looks at you and your sinfulness and in your dilemma and says, well, God wants you to be perfect and you cannot be perfect so here is my righteousness for you I give it to you as a gift receive what I have done and put yourself smack dab in the middle of God's will This is the good news of the gospel that Jesus has done for you what is most required of you and what is impossible for you to do. And today the Lord is calling some of you here or online or anywhere to receive and believe in the love of Jesus and his righteousness because God's primary will for your life is that you would be saved. God's primary will for your life is that you would love him and that he would love you and that you could be in his family. God's primary will for your life is that you would be in heaven with him forever. And you cannot live out the specifics of God's will for your everyday life until you surrender to God's will for your eternal life, that you would believe in Jesus and be saved today. This is the calling of God on your life. You cannot live out the will of God until you submit to the salvation and receive the free gift of God. And there might be some in here who have attempted to be a good person or live out a nice religion. But that's not God's will. God's will is that you would be saved. And I want you to consider whether God's asking and calling you in that today. Let's pray. As the band comes up, we're going to respond to the Lord. Jesus, we love you, and I ask that you would give us a ton of encouragement on the clarity you've given us about your will i pray that you would call every person here who doesn't know you into salvation with you it is your will that they be saved lord we pray it is your desire it is what you want you said in your scriptures that you don't desire that any man should perish i pray that every person in here that doesn't know you would feel the calling of god to trust and to believe in you that they would do so now and i pray for all of us who attempt to follow you that you would settle the anxieties Of this question, and that you would give us encouragement, Lord. You have made your will abundantly clear. And I pray that you would help us to walk in it and to truly find ourselves as we follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would y'all stand up? Let's respond to the Lord.